scripture is clear that life is limited here. We have a number to our days. None of us knows what that number is, and that's, by the way, a good thing. It's a blessing that we don't know. But none of us knows what that number is. The, our days are numbered, and we want, we want to consider how to build a life that lasts longer than those assigned days. Does that make sense? I, I, I want to live in such a way now that after I'm gone, I can continue to have some kind of ministry, some kind of positive influence, some kind of impact on the world around me. Well, the, the first great examples that we have of that in the church are the original 120 disciples in the book of Acts. And so we've been looking at the book of Acts as we consider how to live a life that outlives me. And this morning we come to chapter 3 in the book of Acts and we learn here how to live with open eyes and open hands. In order to live a life that outlives me, I want to live this life with others in mind. If I live my life all about me, then when this life is over, so am I. Does that make sense? But if I can live this life with others in mind, then even after I'm gone, they continue to benefit from the blessings in the ministry. They continue to be strong, and, and perhaps they can carry that on to someone else, multiplying my influence, my impact on the world around me. So we want to think together about how to live with open eyes and open hands. I guess we could have we could summarize that really pretty quickly by saying, see something, do something. Live with open eyes, see the needs around us, and live with open hands, do something about those needs. Look with me, we're in the book of Acts, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now, Peter and John, and I love the fact that they're still hanging out. In the Gospels, we hear about Peter, James, and John a lot. Well, then we also hear about Peter and John together. Jesus' closest friends were Peter, James, and John. The four of them were tight. Well, now, even though Jesus is gone, John and Peter are still close to get. Matter of fact, if you look at the resurrection story, they're the ones who ran to the tomb together. And then there's even a fun little conversation about who got there first, you know. But Peter and John are, 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 are connected and they're sharing in life together. And Peter and John, verse 1, were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. A man lame from birth was being carried, 
whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. And we don't know who they are, but they carried this man to the temple gate every day. He couldn't walk. He was lame. So they would carry him and prop him up there by the gate. I don't know how they did that, but I kind of picture him with the tin cup, you know. He's sitting at the, at the gate begging for alms. It's not by mistake that he is at the temple. Uh, two reasons. One, everybody went to the temple. So that's, that's the place to see everybody. But also they're coming into the temple. So they're thinking about those things that are important to God and important to being the, the people God has called them to be. And so he's sitting at that gate day in, day out, asking for this word we don't use much, alms. He's, he's begging for money. Verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And that's where we can begin this morning, to learn how to live with open eyes and open hands. It begins with an honest look. John and Peter come to the gate and there's this dude hanging out there and they looked at him and they said look at us the bible makes it clear that they focused their attention on him peter directed his gaze at him as did john they stopped long enough to look to see and then they said look at us they fixed their eyes on him and told him to fix their eyes back, to fix his eyes back on them. I have a friend who says a lot of strange things, and you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. But when he has something very important to say, he says, look at me. Look at me. And sometimes if it's really big, He'll say something like, now you listen to me and listen to me good. And those two things mean the same thing. Look at me. Listen to me and listen to me good. Because what's about to happen here is so important, you can't afford to miss it. And here is Peter and John, and the Bible says they fixed their gaze on the one in need, and then they said, look at us, because what's about to happen here is too important for you to miss it. And beloved, I'm convinced that one of the reasons that so many people are so unhappy is because all they can think about is their own feelings. Somebody didn't do for me. Somebody said something wrong to me. Somebody, me. And I'm, I guarantee you, the more you live that life, the sadder you're going to make yourself. Peter and John stopped and looked. Perhaps that's one of the things that we need to learn. It's a skill that we need to learn. They were going to church that day. Did you catch that? 
They were doing the right thing. They were going to church. I wonder how many times we go to church to, so we can go to church and fail to see the people around us who are hurting, who are in need. If we're going to live a life that outlives us, it begins with an honest look. Really looking at someone says, you're real, you count. Released in 2009, the movie Avatar was the highest grossing film up to that time. And it retained that title for a decade. The highest grossing film up to its time and then it stayed that way for 10 years. The theme song of that movie is the, is the, the major theme throughout the whole movie. And it's simply, I see you. Their greeting, their connection was, I see you. And that meant, you're real. You matter. I'm listening. In Luke chapter 6, Simon the Pharisee, not Simon Peter, but Simon the Pharisee, once looked down on Jesus because Jesus was being nice to a, a woman who had questionable character, we might say. And the Pharisee looked down on Jesus for being nice to that woman. So Jesus tested him and Jesus said, do you see this woman? It's a strange question because obviously Simon had seen the woman because he knew that Jesus was being nice to her. So, but Jesus asked, do you see this woman. Similarly, Hagar was a slave in the Old Testament. Abram and Sarah took advantage of her and abused her. She ran away. And the angel of the Lord came and spoke to her and told her that she would have a son and that she should return to Abram. And after that encounter, she called God Understanding that he had not revealed his name Yahweh yet, she called him the one who sees me. Now think on that for just a minute before we go too quickly. Isn't there some comfort there, some courage knowing that he is the one who sees me? Might there be someone in the cubicle next to yours at work or the classroom down the hall or the neighbor next door who just needs to know, I see you. You're real. You count. I know what you're going through and I care. Jesus looked into people, not through them. There's a difference. Matthew chapter 9 at verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw them, he had compassion. He looked into them, not just through them. He had compassion for them. I love that word compassion. It comes to us from Latin, Latin 
there are two words there. Uh, passion is the word for suffering. You may remember the movie, The Passion of Christ. That word means suffering. And C-O-M, com, means with or together. So compassion is suffering together. When he saw them, he felt for them. He felt with them. He had compassion on them. I just want you to know this morning that you are going to be happier when you learn to feel for the people around you instead of worrying so much about your own feelings. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian physician. He was imprisoned in one of Hitler's death camps. and He and his fellow Jewish people suffered unbelievable atrocities. Everything about their living and working conditions were awful, including their medical care. Dr. Frankel offered what little medical help he could to the sick and dying. Over time, he discovered one unique phenomenon that he recorded in his book called Man's Search for Meaning. He said those people who kept their strength and sanity the longest were those who tried to help other prisoners and share what little they had. Their physical and mental condition seemed strengthened by their friendliness, compassion, and focus on something other than themselves. Frankel teaches us that it is in giving that we receive to steal from another theologian. It is in caring that we grow. If you spend your life thinking about yourself, that life will end when you do. During World War II, the, there was a famous, famous economist named E.F. Schumacher. Now, before he became famous, he worked on a farm. And each day he would count 32 head of cattle. And then he'd turn his attention elsewhere. They were here. They, they, he checked them off. They, you know, they were where they were supposed to be. He checked roll. One day an old farmer told him that if all he did was count the cattle, they wouldn't flourish. And sure enough, one day he counted 31. One of them had died and was over in the bushes. And now Schumacher understood the farmer. You must watch the quality of each animal. Look him in the eye. Study the sheen of his coat. You may not know how many cattle you have, but you might save the life of the one that's sick. The idea is simple, isn't it? Instead of just seeing a room full of people, I see you. Look at me. Let's connect so that I can experience what you're experiencing. I want to help. It begins with an honest look. And then it moves on to a helping hand. John and Peter said to the man, look at us. 
after they looked carefully at him. And then it moves on to a helping hand. Look at verse 5. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Peter says, I don't have gold or silver. I'll give you what I have. You and I can very easily come up with reasons why we can't help someone. That's simple. That's what preachers do. I don't have enough this week. I've got my own problems. I'm hurting. I'm busy. Coming up with reasons not to is simple. Peter says, I don't have silver or gold. But then he said, but what I do have, I will give. I will find a way. I can't help you the easiest, simplest way that we're both expecting, but I will find a way. Why? Because I've seen you. And now that I've seen you, I want to offer a helping hand. And so that thick, meaty hand of a fisherman reached down and took that frail, thin hand of a beggar. This was long before my time, but some of you know who Audrey Hepburn was. As you grow older, she said, as you grow older, you will discover that you have two hands, one for helping yourself, the other for helping others. It begins with an honest look and it continues with a helping hand. Since they saw the man, they were able to come up with a way to help him. And notice how they did that. Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Folks, the works that we do in God's name long outlive our earthly lives. That which I do to get attention is short-lived. Because if my goal is to get attention, once I get attention, I have fulfilled my goal and the whole experience is over. But if what I do is done in the name of God, in other words, person that I'm helping, I want you to know that this is done for God's glory. Then I don't have to be around anymore for that to continue to have impact. That which we do in his name outlives us. And so we begin with an honest look, move to a helping hand, and that leads to a caring conversation. Once we see and help, it leads to a caring conversation. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, recognizing him 
or they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. An honest look, a helping hand, opened the door for a caring conversation. Peter addressed the people, men of Israel. Why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And then we look at verse 19, jump down a couple. Repent, therefore, turn back, and, and your sins may be blotted out. A caring conversation, an honest look leads to a helping hand, and that opens the door to talk with people about eternity, to talk about a live, outliving your life. Imagine. All I did was notice somebody, and then in service to the Lord, I helped them. And then they ask, why did you do that? How does this work? What makes you you? And I got to tell them about Jesus. And now, their eternity has changed. My life is going to be over one of these days. But that somebody is going to live forever with Jesus. And all of a sudden, my life outlives me.